This episode of the Best Seats Podcast is brought to you by, well, you. To learn how you can support the show, go to thebestseats.com slash Patreon. Once there, you'll learn how you can get early access to shows, ad-free listening, the ability to submit questions, comments, concerns, and more. Once again, that's thebestseats.com slash Patreon. But enough of that. On to the show. Welcome, 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 everyone, to the first ever episode 17 of the Best Seats Podcast. I am your host, Crawford McCarthy. Thank you, as always, to Allie Coyle for providing the music for the show. You can check her out on Instagram at Allie Coyle Music, AllieCoyleMusic.com. Find her song on iTunes, and I know she's working on an album that should be out soon. Also, Allie is going to be a guest on the show coming soon. I don't exactly know when, but I'm uh, in talks with her now to actually get her on and talk about kind of life, you know, doubling between being a sommelier for a bunch of really, really good and outstanding restaurants, but also a musician um, and not just that work-life balance, but the work-life balance in a pandemic as well when there are so many uncertainties. So keep an eye out for her uh, episode, hopefully down the road pretty soon. Uh, my guest for this episode is Jim Rafferty. He is the owner of Kelly's Corner Tavern up in Placentia, California. Um, it's an institution of a neighborhood kind of sports bar. It's been around for a long time. He's been running it for several years now. Um, really, really great guy. This episode, it's a little off because we actually recorded this interview before June even started. Um, I feel like it was like the last day of May or something like that. And we sat down. I don't have a timestamp on it. But obviously what happened is the world happened. Um, after the protests in Minneapolis um, and everything that was going on, I personally felt that it was important to not just kind of continue with releasing the content the way that it had been. Um, I took a week off from posting anything to the blog. Um, pretty sure I took it off from social media. I did put a poll up kind of asking people like, is this appropriate? I didn't want to offend folks. I really wanted to let voices be heard and and kind of, kind of sit back and, and reassess some things on my own. And unfortunately, this interview got caught in the crossfire of all that. Uh, so I, first of all, I apologize to Jim. I, I messaged him basically immediately when I made the decision, I think on June 1st, to be like, look, I have to hold this episode uh, just out of respect for what's going on. And he was completely gracious with it as he was with his time in the first place. Um, so this episode is a little interesting because it's basically a time capsule. So at the time of the recording for the interview, which you're going to hear in just a sec, uh, Kelly's had not reopened yet. Uh, they have since reopened. Uh, they're back open for business, obviously, at whatever capacity they can operate at. But the entire interview really touches on kind of what the mentality is behind bringing back not just kind of a sports bar, but a legacy for the area. Because as you hear in the interview, this is a place where generations of families have gone. And, you know, even though it's only got a beer and uh, wine license, not a full liquor, it's still very much that sports bar kind of classic cheers mentality where a lot of people know each other. They really pump out some really, really good food in a very, very small kitchen space. And it's, it's super impressive from that aspect. But Jim is just a very dedicated guy. Uh, he's very soft-spoken uh, to get actually just a lockdown of time for this interview was tough. But recently, right before we recorded it, um, he had hosted Heritage Barbecue and Daniel Castillo for the uh, third OC Smoke Kitchen to benefit members of the hospitality community. And after meeting him before at the second one at Brewery X, and then obviously at his own establishment hosting everyone, he's just super, super nice. Really kind of knows what he's doing. He's just, he understands what Kelly's is. 
And we talk a lot about restaurants kind of reopening and getting back to normal, but we haven't really talked about bars and kind of what that aspect is like for those people that want to get out and have a beer and kind of relax and get back to some semblance of not normalcy because that's not really around anymore, but just kind of giving people that comfortable space to come back to, especially after being in isolation and quarantine for so long. So again, the timing of it is a little off. I do apologize for that. Um, You're going to have to take that with a grain of salt and kind of just understand kind of the context of this episode. So I apologize to Jim for the delay. I apologize to everybody else for the delay. If this kind of throws you off, then it just kind of throws it off. But there were more important episodes um, just for world reasons that I needed to get up first. Um, And unfortunately, this one was kind of, uh, it took a casualty of that along with another interview, which I think that may just have to get re-recorded just from a technical standpoint, not because of a, a time or emotional one. There's just a technical issue with that file. So keep an eye out for that one soon. But I really hope that you'll enjoy this one. I really loved it. Um, tracking, you know, kind of locking down the time for this was tough. And then obviously the big delay, it's 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 something that I've been waiting and dying to get out and get live for everybody to listen to. Uh, it's on the shorter side. So just dig in, learn what you can, and then go check out Kelly's because Kelly's is a really special spot. It's exactly the type of place that I love. I think sports bars are hugely underrated. It had been getting a lot of press recently uh, at the time of the recording from the LA Times, uh, Gustavo, and just amazing writers up and who helm up that team up there. I love it. I think you will love it. I'm so grateful to Jim for the time, um, and I'm sorry for the delay, but just take this one as a bit of a time machine as you listen to episode 17 of the Best Seeds podcast featuring Jim Rafferty, Kelly's Corner Tavern. Joel, how are you? Good, man. How are you? I'm doing very well. Thanks for taking the time. You got it. I know you must be pretty busy with everything going on, so uh, it, it means a lot that you're able to kind of carve out a little time and sit down and be on this kind of pokey little podcast. Um, yeah, absolutely. Let's, let's, I want to jump right into it. Um, obviously, I've kind of introduced you in the intro and stuff like that, but would you mind taking a second and just kind of introducing yourself and Kelly's? Yeah, so my name is Jim Rafferty. I'm the owner-operator of uh, Kelly's Corner Tavern in Central California. We're a uh, beer and wine bar uh, with a focus on our bar food. Our bar food's kind of a, a step above. We have a great chef named Christian Kiros. Uh, burgers, sandwiches, uh, nachos, tacos. I mean, your basic bar fare just fresh and consistent and um, focus on uh, being a good neighborhood bar and focus on the service and the consistency of the food. And that's kind of helped us through this whole shutdown thing a little bit with our to-go's. But uh, 31 TVs, uh, I mean, very sports-eccentric, uh, very local place. I don't know. Kind of like a cheers, everyone says. So uh, we're recording this on May 27th. Obviously, we're just after Labor Day weekend. Um, and on that Saturday morning, obviously, Governor Newsom said that places can open for kind of dine-in and things like that. We've been trying to do takeout for a little while. Uh, but you mentioned, obviously, you kind of hit the nail on the head. Obviously, it's your place. Kelly's is kind of that neighborhood cheers establishment uh, for members of that community. I think it's super well known. I've heard absolutely nothing but good things about it for a long while now. And having finally been able to kind of step foot in there last weekend for the OC Smoke Kitchen, which we'll talk about, I totally, totally can understand why. What's this process kind of been like for you? Because you mentioned it's a sports bar um, and obviously uh, Gustavo Ariana from uh, what is it? Where's he at? LA times just did a great piece kind of talking about how you're getting double hit by this, but what has this been like, not just being a bar in a neighborhood bar, but someplace where people kind of come to watch sports when everything, including sports has been suspended by the virus. It's been, um, it's been different. I mean, my, my main focus from the start was my main focus was on, was my employees and making sure I can keep my employees paid and I can keep paid as full to close pay as possible. Um, how this started was like, we, 
Mar- March 15th, Newsom came down two days before, you know, our biggest day of the year, March 17th. Um, so we were, uh, the first two days we were fighting about even open for Patty's Day. Last minute we didn't open, which I guess it wouldn't matter because nobody went out anyway. Um, and then from there we've just kind of 180 the whole time and just adjusted constantly and haven't slept and kind of done whatever we could. Um, busted our butts on Facebook and posting and getting our name out there. And we've just kind of evolved ever since. And each week trying to do a little bit more and a little bit more and a little bit more and trying to push ourselves as to what we can do. Um, we've only had the, the kitchen crash once, so we had to back off um, doing a full menu, basically, if that makes sense. Um, with having less guys in the kitchen, with spacing, you have you have half the staff in the kitchen doing twice the orders over dinner time, and it's it's a lot, man. It's definitely taken a toll on kind of everybody that's been hit by this. Um, you're definitely in that interesting spot, though, where it is a neighborhood spot. It is a sports spot, but then you kind of also have, like you said, St. Patty's Day, I think was such a massive hit. I mean, to close everything on the 16th, obviously, you know, agree or disagree, that happened for everybody. But to lose oh, St. Patty's sure. Day, yeah. what is that like from a bar standpoint to lose I mean, the biggest drinking day of the year? Luckily, I had a feeling it was going to happen and I really didn't order that much uh, because we have, okay, we have a Tuesday, we have a Tuesday delivery, but we weren't, but I mean, try getting delivery when you're when you're lying around the corner and you're already full. So I plan to have my delivery Friday and then Thursday night, I'm like, dude, I'm not even going to, I'm not going to order big. So I just did a regular order because I just had a feeling it was going to happen. I kept my corned beef order from 500 pounds to 200 pounds. Um, luckily we were able to donate half of it and then we served the rest of it on uh, Thursday and Friday and blew it out super fast. Um, uh, Mayor Placentia Ward, uh, Ward Smith came over and grabbed, grabbed half of it and took it. I forget where he took it, but he took it to, um, either his house or some other, some other home and charity that, or some other charity home in Placentia that used it. Can you give a little bit of history just on Kelly's as a whole? Cause we'll talk about kind of running it during COVID-19, but I don't want to kind of beat a dead horse on that. Can you, what's the background of the bar oh, itself? Yeah. So Kelly's has been here. There's been a bar in the building since I believe 1969 started as like a hop and then before Kelly's was the shelter. And then, um, Kelly took over Kelly's in 93. Um, kind of, kind of ruckus and had bands and stuff like that, but it was still always like Kelly's. It was just known and always had a good vibe, no matter how, how ruckus it was. Um, and then we took over from Kelly. I don't know if Kelly got burnt out or what happened. We took over from, from Kelly in 07 with a focus on kind of, kind of bringing it back. Our focus was food and service. And it took a while to get that going to get people to buy into it. Um, especially the ones who were used to just coming here to get drunk. Um, but it's just evolved ever since 2007. We just tried to do more and more and more out of our tiny kitchen, um, try to offer more to the customers, be more like a true restaurant. Um, but it's always been a staple of the placenta area. What? And that's part of the reason, part of the reason we didn't change the name from, Ke- from Kelly's because it was kind of like, we're not even going to fight that. We're, we're just going to use that as our brand. And then we made our own logo and just kind of went from there. What kind of clientele do you draw in? Because it's obviously, it's it's kind of got all the frills that you look for. And I, I should admit my bias up front. I absolutely adore sports bars, especially kind of in the vein of Kelly's. I don't think that they're, again, I'm kind of on like the Southern part of Orange County and they're hard to find. Um, I think Kelly's yeah. is an absolute true gem. So what is your clientele kind of up there like? Um, well, in the neighborhood of Placentia, it's a little bit over probably, thir- I mean, 40 to 60. It's a lot of established families. So what we have, what we have that's pretty cool is uh, we have a, we have a mix. I mean, you'll see, you'll have a couple come in and then cash out and go home at, at eight o'clock after dinner. And within half hour, their kids are here. So they're, it, it's like, they call it the night shift where the, 
where the parents are here for dinner or whatever, or an early dinner or whatever. And then you'll see their kids like a half hour later and you'll be like, dude, your mom just sat at this table. So I love it, that. It, it's truly got this neighborhood vibe to it. That's really hard to replace. It's kind of special. I think it's such a rare thing to find places that have that kind of appeal. Um, not just in North County, but I would say in general, I think that it's, 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 for lack of a better term, it's kind of a dying breed. Um, they're very established places, but it is a burnout because it is such a hard industry. So to have something like that, I think is really special. How's the community been since you've had to shut down and then obviously trying to pivot, you know, every 48 hours, it seems like there was a new email or new set of laws or adjustments, things like that. Yeah. I mean, they've been great. I mean, the sport's been amazing. Um, they, they understand sometimes when the ticket times get too big, I mean, it'd be a lot nicer if people could call from two to four, but nobody, nobody eats dinner from two to four. So from four to four to six or four to seven or four to eight until we have to shut the kitchen down, um, be, because of the amount of orders. Um, I mean, people have been great coming two, three, four times a week, just like they were when we were open. So, so there hasn't been much change there. And just the patience and the support from the community, the comments, I mean, the comments on social media, the emails, the text messages, um, them taking care of my staff, um, tipping more for the staff, like just trying to be part of it and trying to keep Kelly's in the community has been absolutely amazing. That's really awesome to hear. Uh, has there been any pushback or I guess I should first ask, would, now that we've kind of gotten the word that some places can reopen for dine-in, what are your kind of immediate plans for Kelly's? Uh, I'm one of the believers that it needs to be 100% or nothing. Um, from a business standpoint, I mean, opening at, when we move all our tables, we were actually in the process of it right now. So if I'm breathing heavy, that's why um, we're going from, you know, 140 capacity to 65, 70, because we have to space them out by the 16 and do all the necessary things to open. And a lot of the reason we didn't open right away on Tuesday is because we weren't ready. We need to, we need to get a lot of our systems in place because we need to still, even though we will have dine-in, we still need to focus hard on takeout because there's going to be a lot of people that are, that aren't comfortable going out yet, or we're also going to be full being half full. So we're not going to be able to accommodate them. So we're going to have to push takeout in order to hit our numbers and stay viable and um, stay in business for the most part. Bars are pretty fluid environments. I mean, even when you do have people kind of sitting down and dining and stuff like that, there's always a lot of movement, especially in a sports bar. You know, you've got the dart boards. There's a lot of moving around the various TVs, you know, if sports were back, you know, if you're out, (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I, all of that is out. So is there any consideration of that aspect behind the kind of hundred or nothing also because of the fluidity of just what a bar environment is like? Yeah, no, 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 there is. And it's, it's actually better sports art on right now because then, then there's more turnover to be honest, because I mean, if you're coming in for a game, you're sitting for three, three and a half hours and there's zero turnover there. And I'm only getting in half, half the customers to pay my bills, to pay my salaries, to pay my employees. Um, so it's tough. I mean, it's, it's better than nothing, 100%, but it's, it's something that we've been, we've sat down for three days and uh, we're still trying to figure out how's the best way to do it. Are we going to have a hostess, which we don't normally have a hostess, seat yourself. Are we going to do reservation only? Are we going to, we're trying to figure out the best way to do everything so that when we do go live um, for both take-in and dine-in, we don't, we don't just get weeded and we're just like done. From a logistics side of things, uh, trying to look ahead, you know, obviously you mentioned that you guys have the great food program, but obviously the kind of that big bar, people coming in to celebrate, watch sports, have beers, things like that. From an ordering standpoint, 
what's that been like trying to follow up and not just the beers, which you work with so many great kind of local breweries and people like that, but also, you know, liquor reps and things like that. How have the relationships and the actions been with those people? Well, we're, we're just a beer and wine bar, so we don't have the liquor, which is kind of a savior right now. We can just focus on the beer and wine. Then just um, the first part but of the question. As, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Sorry. And then, um, I, I mean, but if you want to take it further to like our meat distributors and stuff like that, mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. the news, I mean, with all the meat plant closures and everything else and all those scares and meat plants, I mean, there were times where I posted a photo on Instagram three weeks ago in Restaurant Depot of the shelves completely bare. And it's not because it's hoarding or whatever. It's because there's no meat. There was no meat coming down the line at the time. And it's kind of starting to mellow out, but everything's up 25 to 35%. Yeah, definitely. I, I think the trickle down is something that people who may not be kind of avid, I guess, diners or, or kind of, you know, bar flies, things like that, aren't really seeing the big ripple effect of this. But it's definitely something that's hitting deep and it's it's got really long-term effects. Any idea, I guess, in your mind, and this is not asking based on any news reports or anything like that, but if you had to guess, when would you think that you'd be able to go kind of full full open? Full 100%. I don't think it would be before maybe September or October. I mean, I'd be shocked. I mean, I, I would love to be proven wrong. Mm-hmm. But, um, which, yeah, I don't, I don't see it happening. I would love for it to happen in like just say, say July. I don't think it'll happen in June. Um, I'd love to have like, um, like Disneyland just announced they're going to open July 11th. Yeah. So unless they, unless they know something we don't, maybe that's, maybe that's the time that we go hundred percent and there's only one more month of this stuff. But, um, I'm just the way I think I'm thinking September. It, it's definitely kind of a, a questionable environment. I don't know if there's any right answer, but I mean, obviously for everybody, we hope it's, you know, tomorrow and this thing just disappears, but at least it's good to kind of look ahead and plan ahead. Um, I want to put yeah. it really quick to obviously kind of my first time in Kelly's was at the OC smoke kitchen 3.0 with heritage barbecue put on to kind of benefit hospitality workers. That was this last Sunday over Memorial day weekend. How did that relationship with Daniel come about and, uh, kind of what, it, what was it like kind of hosting and putting that on for you? Well, I've known, I've known Jill for a while. Jill and my, Jill and my brother went to high school together. Um, Jill's been in and out here. Um, she always, she always gives her advice with her history in the, in this industry. Um, so her and Garrett Barth, who was also there, Garrett's for Bodie Leaf, does their social and does some other things for them. I ran over there to meet them at the, the event at, at, at Brewery X, the, uh, the uh, second smoke kitchen. Mm-hmm. And I was, I was really impressed by what was going on and the number of people that were out there. And I, unfortunately, like right when you guys were starting, I had to get back here because we had a bunch of orders. And I told Jill and Garrett, I go, if you guys do this again, let me know. Like, however I can help, I'll come hand out drinks or, or do whatever. And then it turns out they needed a site. And, um, I was more than happy to do it. And I'm, I'm so happy I did it. Cause that was one of the funnest days I've had in a long time. And, um, getting to work with a lot of really good people in the, people in this industry. Um, it was just a, it was just a great day and a great experience. It's yeah, it's definitely really, really fun. I think being able to give back is something that's huge. Uh, there's so many kind of people affected. Uh, what's it been like as kind of the owner and operator of a place to have to make those hard decisions? Obviously you said you want to take care of your staff, but there's kind of that harsh reality of this entire thing that, you know, with no money coming in and no business, there are tough decisions that can be made. Um, I think that a lot of people who are not in the hospitality industry, but maybe listening to this or other podcasts, they kind of think that it's hard, but what's kind of the process been like for you as the owner operator to try and communicate with your staff and keep them up to date? It's just been extremely stressful. And, um, I just have to trust in myself to know that I have to trust in myself on my decisions because, they're following my leads. I also, 
I've asked them stuff they're comfortable on. Like if they don't want to open, if they, um, if they don't feel comfortable working the front directly with customers, those who didn't feel comfortable at the start when this was all going on, when there was a lot of questions in there, we would stick back towards the office. They'd be on the phone slowly, just taking the phone orders to go. Um, it's, I mean, but the stress of, um, you know, paying your bills, paying your staff, making sure you're busy. I didn't, I worried about it. It kept me up at night, but I just figured if I worry about it, I'm not going to be proactive. And as long as I hustle, get my menus out there and, um, just keep, keep pushing to get people in here to, uh, push my staff to be, to almost be perfect on every to go, uh, to go order to make sure people come back right now and, um, just focus on execution and hope every payroll would make it and every payroll would make it. And we did. So far, I mean, so far, so good. Um, it's just a matter of I had to step up to the plate, and we all stepped up to the plate, and, and we're still here. That's awesome. That's really good to hear. There's a lot of different kind of stories out there from all kinds of different organizations of ownership handling things one way or another. So to hear somebody really kind of putting their staff forward, and not to, not just their staff forward, but their staff's uh, safety forward is really, really nice to hear. Is there any... There's a, no, go sorry. ahead, please. No, 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 go. Um there's a lot of different bars and restaurants doing it differently, but as an owner, um, there's no reason for people to get upset with them or whatever else. Every owner has got to do what they got to do right now. And, and every aspect of their business, um, is going to be affected by this and it's going to go forward and there's going to be a fallout effect about it. Um, but it's just a matter of trying hard and doing the best you can. You might not even come out of it. That's what sucks. Yeah. I know it's it's very interesting that I think a lot of people are seeing restaurants, you know, they see the announcement, all right, restaurants can reopen. And I think in their mind, that means, oh, we, we made it through, right? They didn't close, you know, we're going to be okay. But I think that this is where the hardest part comes in. It's not being closed for a little bit time sucks, but I think that this reopening stage, if this lingers and the costs that go with it and the loss of business and the spacing and, you know, the different aspects of the industry, which already had its own set of, you know, problems agreed or disagreed upon. I think this is when it's going to be the hardest. What are your kind of thoughts on that moving forward? Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, I could spoke on it before. I thought it should be the lift to be in restaurants. I personally think should be a hundred percent or 0%. And you pointed the fact that, you know, 60% is better than, than 0%. But from an operation standpoint, um, just taking Kelly's into mind, how my, how my place is operated. We have a very small kitchen. I mean, we're not the biggest building in the world. So we have to, with our seating being down, say it's, it's right at 50%. Uh, we, we have to focus on our to goes. We have to push our to goes. And that's tough when you're going to have 60 people in house plus pushing to goes with a kitchen that, I mean, you saw it on Sunday, it's 12 feet by eight feet. <laughs> I mean, it's the size of a food truck and yeah. the guys do an amazing job out of that little kitchen, but it's, it's, it's what's going to be manageable for, for the kitchen without failing. And that's, that's what's scary. That's what's tough. Because when you're at 100% before COVID, you have a lot of people dining in. We still did takeout, but we didn't do takeout at the volume we're doing it. Um, and I know there's going to be a lot of people not going out. And again, there's going to be a lot of people that can't sit here, but they still chose to go to Kelly's, so they're just going to get their food to go. Um, so my main yeah, my main focus is how we do this, stay viable um, without crushing the kitchen and just making it just a complete nightmare. Have there been any changes that have come through, uh, you know, whether like some, some of the changes in the ABC law allowing, you know, beer, wine, alcohol to be sold to go, et cetera, things like that, that you hope stick around following kind of these reopenings? I mean, are there any laws that have kind of been put in place or relaxation of guidelines that you think would stick around that would benefit businesses long-term? I think that to go, first off, I think what ABC has done is absolutely amazing and they should be commended. There's, they're literally saving the restaurant industry 
they have a major, a major, a major percentage of what they've done is helping the, is helping the restaurant industry. I mean, we couldn't, we couldn't be doing what they're doing without, um, without their relaxation on rules. I think that to go needs to stay as long as restaurants are doing it responsibly, putting them in sealed, uh, sealed containers, um, doing it the right way, making sure you're not, um, just like anything else, making sure you're, you're serving someone of age, you're serving someone who's not intoxicated. Um, and, it, and as long as they're getting the beer with their food to go home, I mean, that's been just absolutely amazing. And then the thing they just did is allowing for the catering license for outdoor seating. So, um, you fill out an application, you tell them where you're going to have your outdoor seating. You, you don't need to actually have a patio or have, or have clearance for a patio or anything like that right now. Um, but that'll help alleviate, um, your left seats inside and try and try and, try and get you back to close to hundred percent. And if that can last through, through the summer or through until say November or as long as possible, it would be, I mean, there's, there's no way to tell how, how beneficial that would be for so many restaurants and bars across this, across this country. Yeah, I completely agree with you. I know I saw um, there was talk in Laguna Beach that there was a one-way street with a bunch of restaurants on it that they were going to pave over, and I saw that that just got approved. Um, so I'm in complete agreement that anything you can kind of do to help expand spaces and offer more seating options, uh, even if these things eventually relax and people go go back to 100%, that I, I think they're hugely important. And I agree with you. ABC really does need to be commended for the way they've handled California and the ability to sell to-go cocktails and kind of being one of the first states to do it has been really, really magnificent. Are you selling a bunch of stuff to go as far as liquids are concerned? Yeah. I mean, I mean, our liquids are probably 25% of our, to- of our, to- of our total sales, but I mean, it's better than nothing. And it's, it's, I mean, it's, it's better than having $12,000 worth of inventory on, you know, March, March 15th go back. I mean, we're selling enough where we've reordered every keg. We don't have any kegs that are even, uh, near being out of code. Um, we've been able to, to work with breweries that were still, still brewing and still kegging even when the big breweries weren't and it's been uh it's been good it's been a great it's been a great thing to have fresh beer available when people when people might be a little questionable about the date of the beer um with with the slowdown and all that um but without yeah without the beer sales um we probably would have just shut down and tried to tried to hope for the best um opening back up if you like me during a quarantine, you probably got pretty familiar with your food service delivery drivers, but third-party companies can put a big financial strain on restaurants that are already taking a hit under a pandemic. That's why I was excited to learn about what Chef Debbie Lee is doing with her pop-up, Soul Town Supper. When you put in any type of order at $50 or more over at mindbodyfork.com, you can get free delivery of any of her amazing Korean pub grub. It's fantastic food that'll keep your heart happy while sitting at home. Using the discount code BESTSEATS10, that's B-E-S-T-C-E-A-T-S, and the number 10, you can get 10% off your first order. Orders have to be submitted by Wednesdays at 5 p.m., and the delivery will be at your doorstep when you wake up Friday morning. As Chef Deb will pack everything with insulated bags, reheating instructions, and more, and drop it on your doorstep between midnight and 6 a.m. So you can start your weekend right with delicious Korean pub fare. I've had it. I love it. I support it. You can go to mindbodyfork.com to learn more information and place an order for yourself. Again, using the discount code BESTSEATS10. Enjoy. It's got to be a little bit helpful to have so many kind of great craft breweries here and around Orange County. Are you basically just kind of reordering the same stuff or are you working with them? Because I know that some breweries are actively working on new beers and things like that. Are you working on bringing new products on or is it just kind of staying the course and reordering the same? 
Oh no, we're no, no, we're rotating. I'm in constant contact with my reps all the time. Uh, or say every Monday and Tuesday, I'll text them out, see if they got anything new in the batch. Um, Justin Draper for Brewery X has been absolutely amazing, getting us fresh stuff. Um, every time they they've done a, can, a canning or a new tagging, um, we've been able to get it, and their stuff moves a lot quicker around here, being that we're you know two miles away from them. They, they have a great local following as well, even though they're they're essentially brand new. Um, they've been huge. A um, couple other breweries, uh, Stone Distribution has been huge with, with, with letting us know keg dates before we ordered, uh, letting us know who's still brewing and who has, who still has fresh stuff. Um, same with Modern Times. Um, they were able to get us a couple brewery, brewery only releases that we probably would have never got our hands on um, that were great for our, for our customers to have and have something different, have something really good and really fresh. That's awesome. I want to, uh, I want to pivot to talk a little personal if i can uh speaking of jill cook she actually wrote in on patreon.com slash the best seats just like anybody else who's listening can and asks how did you get started personally and what is one thing you wish people knew about you okay how i got started personally um i was local i went to el dorado which is which is right down the street here in placentia i was working at a lampos pizza in your Belinda while cleaning pools at the same time i was cleaning pool for a customer who i knew uh who I knew personally as well. And he came here and he said, um, he knew someone was going to buy it. And I told him, Hey, I'll run it for him. I've always wanted to do that. I run lamppost on the weekends. I manage lamppost. Uh, like I want to shot at the next level, uh, like a bar, like a bar restaurant, knowing that he's got three other businesses to run. There's no way he'd do it. His cell fell through. So I went to the owners, uh, to my bosses over at lamppost, Don Petrosi, Jim Petrosi and Andy Strauss and, and pitched it to him. And, like 60 days later, we were here and I had no idea what I was doing. <laughs> and it's kind of gone 180 ever since. <laughs> and and that's that's where we are now, you know, uh, coming up on 13 years later. And something about myself, uh, you, can always tell, you can obviously tell from this 20-minute interview, I do stutter. Um, I don't know. I'm just, I love to work. I love my bar. I love what I do. I love my core crew of people I have here. Um, I love my, I mean... I can't imagine doing anything else. Um, I'm very lucky and very fortunate to do something that I actually always wanted to do. I mean, who doesn't want to own a sports bar? Yeah. It's not as a, it's not as glam, it's not as glamorous as it sounds when you're growing up and you're thinking about it <laughs> and you're sitting in a bar thinking, Oh, oh it'd be so cool to run this. Um, it, it'll take years off your life, but it's a, it's, it, it's a passion. It's something I never change. I've, I've never changed the, the experience I've made and the friends I've made doing this. And I want to keep doing it. So I'm going to keep busting my ass and get through this. Yeah, I hear you. It's uh, I think again, like I said earlier, bars like yours are so important in the community. Um, I don't think there's enough of them. Um, speaking, even though I know that they're all gone right now, slowly coming back. There is a question that also came in on Patreon.com/slash/the-best-seats regarding sports. Uh, Eric Lutz wrote in and he asked, "A lot of sports bars uh, tend to either lean towards either one kind of specific sport, where a lot of the fans will show up, or one sports team in general." And I'm just going to elaborate on a little bit. He basically goes on to ask, does Kelly's have a favorite team or a favorite sport? And with so many teams in California, I actually was going to ask that exact same question. Is there a crowd favorite? So there used to be. And we used to, I mean, we used to by fault kind of be for a certain team. And that was probably some of my doing on accident. Um, I've learned in the last few years to, to be neutral. I mean, people are fans of so many teams. We have a huge angel following, huge Dodger following. Um, Kings and Ducks are split down the middle. Lakers and Clippers are split ninety-five to five percent, um, <laughs> but our but our football Sundays are huge. And it used to be a Steelers bar, and we got away from that. Uh, we switched over. We, we inherited being a Steelers bar, 
And uh, I switched over about six years ago to just showing the best game every week. Um, we always put one game on the sound. We have 31 TVs. So, so you're able to see every game. Um, but switching over, that's kind of what uh, took our Sundays to a whole, to a whole other level, just just kind of being mainstream and showing showing the best game. I think there are benefits to being like a club spot, like a spot that 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 focuses on one team. But I also think there's benefits to just being just being wide open and showing the best game every week. Do you have a favorite team, or are you staying neutral on that too? Dude, I used to, and I really don't anymore. Like, um, I actually enjoy the sports now, and just being a fan of the sports, um, not not having a dog in the fight, and just watching like watching great baseball or watching great hockey, which hopefully is going to happen with that uh, with that new tournament. I don't know how, but hopefully it does. I mean, there's nothing like playoff hockey. Um, yeah, I used to be a fanny, and I'm still a fan of the sports, but I'm not I'm, I'm not a teamer anymore. I was always and I enjoy watching that. them even better. Yeah, I, I was always I always thought that must have been hard if you had a sports bar to actually have a favorite sports team, just because there's so many, and you know you don't want to get caught rooting for somebody who's all of a sudden you know beating out a bunch of your regulars or something like that. So yeah, and like I said, I was guilty of that. And a big thing that changed me from being loyal to teams was, I mean, you see guys come in with a Dodger hat on, and then the next season, you know, they're here with a Cub hat on. <laughs> yeah, Cubby, so Cubbies I don't know. I think I just grew up a little bit and realized, you know. Um, yeah, there's it, there's no reason to hate a bunch of athletes just, just because I'm a fan of a team and I, I enjoy it. I, dude, I enjoy w- watching the sports way be- way better this way. Yeah, I completely, completely hear you. <laughs> well, I'm so glad to hear that things are going well and kind of the community is, is rallying around you and, uh, you know, supporting a place like Kelly's. Um, I think to, to lose something like that would be devastating to not just the neighborhood, but I think the industry as a whole. Um, again, my, my bias is pretty clear, but I think that they're very, very important spots. So I'm glad to hear that you guys are kind of staying busy. Um, for people that are listening that may not have stopped by Kelly's yet, what would be kind of your, you know, elevator pitch to them on why Kelly's is a great spot? Yeah, it's just got a great neighborhood feel. It's got, it's got the Christmas lights up. Um, very, 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 very comfortable atmosphere. Um, uh, it's been described by a lot of people as like being a Midwest bar, where it's just, um, it's just, you know, it's it's toned down a little bit. It's more mellow. Um, the food's great. I mean, if you can come in and get, uh, catch a game when the games are back on, if there's a game you want to see, we have every sports package. Um, grab the Yorba chicken sandwich or the primer dip, or any other thing Christian has on the menu or one of his specials that night. And, um, just, just have a good time. If you got, if, if you got any questions, ask. That's a really w- great way to describe it. Having spent a lot of time in the Midwest that immediately hits home for me. So I, I know exactly what they mean when they say that. But Jim, yeah, if, it's huge. Uh, my dad's from Chicago and like, um, it, there's a huge Midwest contingent here in, here in Placentia, New Orleans and Southern California. So it's, yep. it's, it's really good to hear that. Yeah. And that, well, yeah, having a Chicago dad, it makes a lot of sense why the bar has the feel the way that it does. Not that it didn't have it before, but I can tell where your kind of innate passion for it comes from. Oh, yep. actually, that's a good question then. If you had a Chicago dad, White Sox or Cubbies? Cubs. Okay, good, because there was no way it was 50-50 in that household. So No, they're, <laughs> they're Libertyville, so they're, they're 15 minutes from the stadium. Okay, good. That's that's a religion for people who have never been to Chicago and never been to Wrigleyville or anything like that, so... Yeah, there's no such thing as being a fan of those teams. No, absolutely not. That's the quickest way to end every Thanksgiving for the future. <laughs> uh, Jim, if people want to find you online, if they want to find Kelly's, where can they do that? So Kelly's is on Instagram and Facebook. Uh, just Instagram and Facebook right now. At uh, the uh, Sorry, my brain's not here. <laughs> the follow is Kelly's 92870. Uh, all, our, all, all our current menus, we're, we're still doing our menus day by day, so they're being posted to our Instagram and linked to our Facebook account for the time being. 
Um, and we're on there posting pictures, reposting all our, all our customers' pictures and uh, just trying to do the best we can right now. That's great, man. Well, I know you're super, super busy and, and you are tight for time on days like this, so I don't want to take up too much more of it. So thank you so, so much for uh, for carving out some time for this, man. Hey, man, I appreciate the opportunity. Thank you very much. Happy to do it. And uh, fingers crossed that everything goes well for Kelly's and can stop in for a beer and a game soon. Sounds good, man. All right, man. Take care and I will talk to you soon. All right, Carver. Thanks. All right, see you. That was Jim Rafferty of Kelly's Quarter Tavern. Um, so sorry for the delay in getting that interview out again. Again, they they are open now, so please go check them out. Give them some support. He's such a great guy to be able to sit down and kind of speak so candidly about all the uncertainties of what it's like to reopen a business. Um, I hope it was informational and educational and, and just kind of goes to show you how hard some of these people are working behind the scenes to try and get these spots back open. So don't just like the posts on social media, definitely go out and support. I know for some people listening, if you're on the ocean side of things, you're like, oh, it's far. It's not that far. There's no traffic as everybody's still working from home. So get in your car and go out there. Even though there's not that many sports back on the TV, you can still watch something and go support people who uh, really are good folks. So apologies again for that delay. Uh, there were just some things in the world that made it a reality, but I'm very happy to get the episode up. I hope you enjoyed it. Thank you again to Jim for the time. I will see everybody in the next episode very, very soon. Take care. The Best Seats Podcast is an original production of The Best Seats. It is written, edited, produced, and owned by myself, Crawford McCarthy, founder and owner of The Best Seats. It is recorded in the Liso Viejo, California subsidized through generous donations through patreon.com slash the best seats the following are names that have subscribed at the highest tier aka norm status and thus allow me to produce the show each and every episode thank you from the bottom of my heart here are the supporters katie Kazan, eric lutz serena warino talia samuels cheryl mccarthy thank you for your support